I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched a Goofy movie. The Disney film starring Goofy and his son, Max. (laughs) This movie serves as a standalone follow-up to the series Goof Troop, taking place three years after the end of that show. Because this film uh, had been greenlit by the recently fired Jeffrey Katzenberg, the film's release was deemed by Disney to be merely a contractual obligation, which is to say... They did not care about it. Its initial release made a meager impression at the box office, grossing $37.6 million against an $18 million production cost, and led to mixed reviews from critics. However, with its home media release, the film garnered a cult following. Aww. Yay. Yeah. Um, and good, goodness knows uh, we children enjoyed that movie. <laughs> uh, it's, it's classic. I'll go ahead and do the spoiler-free plot synopsis. So this movie is about uh, Max and Goofy's relationship. Uh, Max is in high school now. There's a girl he likes, and he's really self-conscious about being a dork like his dad. Um, His dad is worried that they're drifting apart and what might happen to Max if he goes down a bad path. So he concocts a plan for them to go on a road trip to bond together, which is pretty much at the worst possible time for Max, who who had just managed to ask the girl he likes to go to a party with him. So he goes and tells her that he can't go to that party, but he is going to go to the Powerline concert that the party is for the party is to watch it on the television. And he's like, well, I'm actually going to go to the concert because my dad knows Powerline. And so we're going to get to be on stage uh, and you'll see me on TV and I'll wave to you. Just a whole bunch of lies spur of the moment because he wants her to like him um, and is panicking. Uh, So then Max and Goofy go on a road trip. Max is having a terrible time of it for a while. Goofy doesn't really know how to to bridge the gap between them. Pete arrives multiple times throughout the movie to just give the worst advice possible at every turn. Um, And and yeah, it's it's about it's about their relationship and and kind of reforging a bond that arguably was stronger in Max's youth, but is frayed a bit as, as he's gained uh, independence and kind of his own different wants and desires that Goofy doesn't fully understand anymore. Um, yeah. It's, what do we think of this movie? It's lovely. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> it's very good. This is, I mean, it's just a classic film. I, I always, I understand why it's never on the lists of the Renaissance Disney films, because it's technically like not fully from the regular Disney animation studios, but we all know it deserves to be on that list. It, it needs to be right there alongside Lion King and everything. It's just, it's a good (laughs) film. Yeah. I mean, it's got so much heart. It does. It It really does. does. It clearly has a bit of a lower budget compared to the other Disney Renaissance films, but it does so much with that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Return of Jafar, this isn't in terms of like the bare bones, uh, not great to look at animation. No, the animation looks great here. The story is engrossing and it made, it made Goofy 
a, a dad. Like, Goof Troop had already made him a dad, but, like, this cemented him in so many people's minds as he's a good dad. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it's just it's just a good movie with lots of emotion and um, looking forward to talking about it more. Yeah. Let's get specific, by which I mean production fun facts. When considering ideas for a TV special for the series Goof Troop, Disney ended up deciding to produce a theatrical film instead, contracting Jim Magon to write a feature-length script. The filmmakers chose to age uh, up Max, who was shown as a young child in Goof Troop, setting the film several years later and putting him in high school. Magon stated that the father-son dynamic of the film was inspired by a story from Walt Disney Studios chairman Jeffrey Gatzenberg, in which he and his daughter, with whom he had an estranged relationship at the time, went on a road trip together, during which they bonded and their relationship considerably improved. This movie was the feature film directorial debut for Disney story artist and animator Kevin Lima, who went on to direct the Disney films Tarzan, 102 Dalmatians, the the live action one with Glenn Close, and Enchanted. Lima said that instead of just keeping Goofy one dimensional as he's been in the past, we wanted to give an emotional side that would add to the emotional arc of the story. We wanted the audience to see his feelings instead of just his antics. And you know, Kevin think you succeeded i know yes. yes so yeah let's let's get talking some about the the story and characters and stuff yes i also want to first say that i didn't remember i didn't remember this at all and i i thoroughly, like the movie at all or just what happened in it what happened in it got it uh and but what i also really liked and appreciated is that they didn't make pete's character sorry pete and his son have uh A stereotypical or trope that the father's a bully, so the son's going to be a bully. I really like the depiction of his son and how he's nerd, you know, he's a little nerdy and he's even less, I don't know, popular or or even more nerdy than Max is and stuff. And, And I love their friendship and, you know, and that it's not antagonistic in any way. I just really like that. Yeah, I... I definitely will come back to their relationship because I think it's fascinating. The the two father-son duos that we have here and how they compare and contrast. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening of this movie is um, immaculate. The peaceful, romantic vibes of a field and 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 uh, his, mm, his yeah. love being there that just then just twists into horror as he uh, horrifically transforms into goofy uh, bit by bit yeah it's 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 very well done um a great like opening a movie with a dream sequence can be a little risky as to if that'll feel cheesy or just out of left field or not feel like it's substantial enough but I feel like this does a great job showing both like his wants and desires as well as as his fears without him actually stating anything so that you can just immediately go into the movie knowing both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I do need to divert us just a little bit to focus on something that is just kind of driving me to madness a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> three years okay. ago uh, in this, in the story of the universe, Goof Troop <laughs> ended <laughs> Uh, but the characters in Groove Troop included uh, a sister. This for... is not where I'm going, but please keep going. <laughs> what is it? A sister for PJ? Yeah. Uh, and a mother of PJ. Uh-huh. And where'd they go? Uh, Pete got divorced. <laughs> Pete, clearly, Pete clearly got divorced. Peggy was done with him. And uh, she took whatever the daughter's name was with her. And 
either didn't either like the courts didn't let her have PJ or PJ decided to stay with Pete, but they're divorced. Uh, that's really the only explanation. And also like, I, I love Pete. He's kind of the worst and you can see why she would leave him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hey, Goofy. Hey, Pete, where's PJ? Uh, He's loafing around in there somewhere. I do think it's messed up that like, those two are just kind of completely absent from this movie and the sequel to this movie, like not even mentioned. It feels a little messed up because it's like more like they're erased from this reality rather than some story reason happened. Right. But, like you know, Pete, sorry, Pete and his son. No. no, in Goof Troop that this is a, a follow up to Goof Troop, the show. Mm hmm. Pete has a wife and oh, two got kids. It. Got it. Got it. So but, you're saying the wife and the the other child yes, are absent. Okay, right. got it. And there's there's no mention, there's no like cameo that I'm aware of of like a picture showing them or anything like that, which it does make sense if he would remove all of that cuz he's away. Um but like <laughs> I, I would appreciate it if there was some acknowledgement of it, but there isn't. And I I understand the reason to cut them too just in that like so you can have the more direct parallel between a father-son pairing and a father-son pairing. Yes. Like, I understand that. But it is a bummer that they're completely mm-hmm. gone. That, however, was not remotely where I'm going. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, after he wakes up from his nightmare, Max has a phone shaped like Mickey Mouse. Yes! Now, yes! now I find this curious because... Mickey Mouse himself also appears in this movie yes. and is hitchhiking. So <laughs> Mickey is at once a celebrity big enough to have a phone made in his image, but also can hitchhike on the road and like not be swarmed by paparazzi or anything. <laughs> Second piece of evidence of this weird relationship Max refers to Donald Duck as Goofy's best bud. And Donald Duck, we see not long after that, is hitchhiking with with Mickey. Mickey. This leads me to believe that Max has a phone shaped like his dad's friend in his room. And I would like to know why. I would like to know, is Mickey actually a celebrity? Did Goofy make a phone Bit like shaped like Mickey. What is happening here? <laughs> okay, so also you have when they're playing a game in the car. Uh-huh. Who are you thinking of? Yeah. Man or woman? Man mm. is a Walt Disney. Yes. Who is Walt Disney in this universe? <laughs> yes, yes. Please explain. So, so America, explain. Um, uh, it's a conspiracy, and we're gonna unravel it. So I think Mickey, what is like. Maybe washed up or like fall Ooh. from gray star. Oh, okay. And like the phone is of this character that Mickey played, and people don't even care about the actor himself anymore, but the, but the character has merchandise of it. Are you going to connect the other dot or do I need to do it? Oh, Walt Disney produced this character. Yes, Walt Disney was the one who owned the studio that made the Mickey, Donald, and cartoon shorts that they all starred in in their youth. Then Goofy got a wife and a kid, and and maybe he kept acting for a little bit, or maybe he immediately quit. But regardless, whenever what happened with the wife happened, 
We don't know if she died, if there was a divorce. We just don't know. When whatever that happened, he was like, you know, I'm going to I'm retiring and I'm moving to this town uh, with Max. And that's where they moved in next to Pete. Yeah. And that's where Goof Troop happened. He's a great talent, but family's more important. Very so obvious. Max's <laughs> phone is like a vintage item, probably. Yes, yes. Um, that he doesn't necessarily personally care about so much as Goofy probably gave it to him. And it's just in his room. I love this. We okay. just need to make this canon. We figured it out. Uh, oh, and uh, I'm sorry. This felt so obvious that it almost goes without saying. Mickey and Donald are in love and on a road trip together. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we solved that mystery, and I'm really glad that we spent some time on that because that was bothering me, but now it all makes sense. Um, Pete just has the worst advice all the time. Just every time that he talks to Goofy about what a father-son relationship should be, it's the, the exactly wrong thing. Love that for him. He's the worst. Yeah, no, he's the <laughs> impetus for all the conflict. Well, a, a decent amount of it. Yeah. The, the final impetus is the principle. <laughs> sure, but all of it was seeded by Pete's yes. talk of, like, gangs and riots and stuff like that. Right. Um. And, and, and his, you know, suggestion or his knowing like, oh, we're going on a vacation, pulled, pulled it back together. Yeah. I do like how Goofy, though, says to him, you know, like, none of your advice has worked or, or is, I don't know if he said well, that was way good. later in the film. No, but. I know. But I just but, mean, but I like then, how he, like, he's an impetus in terms of like, uh, what happens after of, of this news that he reveals. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll talk about in more detail later. I like Stacy. Uh, she's just looking out for her girl, the trying friend, to yes. trying yes, to trying to help yes. uh, trying to help Roxanne talk to to the person that she clearly has a crush on. And then as they're walking away, she's like, "See, that wasn't so bad. I told you, men are easy to deal with." And that line says a lot about Stacy. That I, I know, makes me very curious about her as a person. I uh-huh. uh, will never find out anything more about her. I do not think she appears in the sequel either. Just <laughs> such a bummer. A bummer. Such a bummer. <laughs> because even from the opening scene with her, she clearly had a following, even of nerd guys. But she just like rolled her eyes at them and i also love that reverse trope that even though she is the nerdier of the two looking because of the braces and the glasses she's like pretty clearly the more popular yeah, it feels like exactly again i so i really she's like, the one throwing the party and announcing it and everything exactly I, I guess i mean if you think about yeah so the nerd was the one calling after the friend but roxanne had this like cute dude like say like hey about that party so i'm not sure if that's fully it i think she's maybe more kind of extroverted and gregarious in terms of yeah speaking there she's probably i feel like she might still be more popular in that i think a bunch of people go to her party because the sense that i get is that she has the hookup she has the big good tv right exactly for reason for reasons like that the like you know popular pretty kids like tolerate her because they want to have it be able to use that stuff sure but yeah she's not like the one that like the hot jocks are gonna hit on but she is like arguably more well known because of her like status at of whatever is she a student council president i don't know whatever she is that lets her give speech speeches and then say that she's gonna have a party or whatever that everyone wants to go to because it's with a popular person and she has the coolest tv and sound system or whatever most likely it seems to be like 
the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. But she also seems to be very confident. As, oh, yeah. You know, and I just love it because she, she certainly, I don't know, doesn't seem to envy anyone else type thing. She's just her own person. Yeah, no, she I seems quite it. confident in herself it. and it's great. Like, yeah. yeah, she's cool. She's a fun side character. Mm-hmm. The principal saying, uh, talking about Max being dressed like a gang me- member was really loaded language. Yes. Um, yes. Principal. Don't like that. What princi- the heck? Yes. What the heck, my guy? Yeah. Liar, um, liar, pants on And fire. then, of course, like, <laughs> leading into, like, t- saying that your son's going to be put in an electric chair. Like, Slash. wow. That's like, yes. Wow. Jeez, I liked when Goofy said, careful, son, you'll wrinkle my past. <laughs> I <laughs> never future. Yes. He oh, and you're right, you're right. And it's your so future. so cute. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lester at the Possum Park. Crossing boundaries and hugging mm. someone without yeah. without them wanting yeah, that. Even that is say. unprofessional. Well, even he said, don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> Do not touch that me. That is unprofessional. You deserve to get swarmed by kids after that. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, yeah. Like, um, you think any of the other kids would be happy to see him. Yeah. Like, le- leave this person who looks unhappy alone, please. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, I thought it was interesting how when Pete shows up to camp and sees Goofy, he he isn't immediately annoyed with him. He's just like, oh, hey, like, it's interesting the the way that their relationship has clearly evolved since the beginning of Goof Troop, where he's like, oh, no, this guy I hate from my past moved in next to me and I will do anything I can to get him out to like... Oh, uh, hey, buddy, let me give you life advice, because I know what's up. Yeah. Um, it, It's fun. <laughs> it's fun that they're kind of buddies now, even if Pete is kind of still awful. Yes. And that scene, by the way, it was, it was delightful to me, because at first I was like, this is some kind of, I don't know, the movie's like where some kind of uh, machine or 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 people come in to cut down the whole forest oh, yeah. and, and it seemed it seemed like a uh environment like one of the a machine that would show up in like fern gully or something yes. all for a oh, second. Oh, thank you for saying that cuz I couldn't think off the top of my head of some of the the movies that we've seen with that. I I mean, yes, perfect. Perfect example. And but the somewhere in the in the back of my mind I was like thinking this could be Pete. And then sure enough, it was. So I <laughs> yeah. just I just loved that. And then just again, Pete's really the worst with his high five, son. Psych. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just terrible. Oh, that's so awful. <laughs> and she's like, uh, Goofy's like, oh, you know, sorry, you, m- you missed the last one. He's like, oh, well, let me show you. Makes PJ... Knock the last pin down. He like first celebrate. of all, he yells for him because PJ is not around. Yeah. He yells for him and expects him to come, which he does, and then just points and PJ goes and kicks it over. Mm-hmm. Just the worst. Yeah. And then, yeah, later, mom alluded to it some. The hot tub scene is uh I I love it so much. So Basically good. the hot tub scene leading into the choice which we will talk about uh in spoilers. It's just so good like especially Goofy's roller coaster of emotions and that that moment where he's he's saying like your your advice isn't all great like my my son loves me or whatever and Pete be like hey my son respects me just the all of it is so good. It's the so colors. <laughs> The the framing of the shot, yeah. it's it's mwah. it's so good. It's mm-hmm. just like 
It's like in that moment you see like the tragedy that is Pete really that he like refuses to understand the ways in which him him and his son could have a much better relationship than they do and that like your son's going to like graduate and move away and never talk to you again my guy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, just the tragedy of like I think he does love his son but he doesn't really understand how to do it well and takes him for granted and takes his respect for granted or whatever when it's obviously more fear than respect. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. And sad and and, and that's its own tragedy in and of itself. Yeah. But yeah, I'll tell you what, I in two as I want to say, Goofy crying just rips and tears at my heartstrings because so sad. Yeah. I don't know what's what's sadder, which which tears at my heartstrings more. Sad, silent, goofy, or I don't know, crying, or you know, or just I don't know. All of it was so well done. <laughs> Anything else with story characters before I talk about voice acting? Just really cute storyline. Even even all the action that happened in the high school, to the home, to the interactions with PJ and Junior, Max. Uh, oh, yeah, I bet you're right. It's almost, yeah, I'm almost completely sure that's right, yes. Yeah, but with PJ and Max and, you know, and, and then, of course, the, the trip, of course, I, the fantastical elements. Oh, even, sorry, the Bigfoot just cracked me up and the Bigfoot's dancing and, and some of that. Some of that went on a little bit longer than I would have liked, but it, overall, it was just really funny. Just really well done. Again, you know, so fantastical elements as far as, but even after everything that they go through, the the vehicle is still drivable. <laughs> Let's talk some about the voice acting. Max is, Maximilian Max Goof is voiced by Jason Marsden. Um, and singing voice is Aaron Lore. A uh, little bit of a fun fact. Lore is married to Idina Menzel. Mm-hmm. Wasn't at the time, but is now. Uh, Goof- Marston, Marston mm-hmm. is the human in Sonic, or is that not true? That's not- James Marston, I believe. Oh, okay. I wonder if they're related. They might be, but yeah, I don't believe this is the same person. Okay, okay, sorry. Uh, Goofy is voiced by Bill Farmer, um, who had been his voice since the late '80s at this point, at that point, and is still his voice. Farmer stated that he used a mental image of his five-year-old son at the time in order to fully embrace his role as a loving father. Uh, He did a great job. Yes. Farmer, who spent 43 days recording dialogue over the span of two and a half years, was initially asked by Jeffrey Katzenberg to give Goofy a regular speaking voice as opposed to the character's signature cartoonish voice, much to the confusion of Farmer, who insisted that audiences wanted to hear the Goofy they were all familiar with. Yes. Mm-hmm. After recording lines in this manner for a week and a half, Michael Eisner and Roy E. Disney told Farmer to speak in Goofy's original voice, after which the dialogue was re-recorded as such. Oh, thank yeah. Katzenberg, why? <laughs> I know. Why would you, why would you do that? Think- why would like, you even this guy could be a be dad good. with a goofy voice like yeah. he doesn't have to be just some guy this is yeah. about goofy being a dad yeah. he's gotta talk like goofy come yes. on Roxanne is voiced by Kelly Martin fun fact she also voiced Daphne in a pup named Scooby Doo Okay, Valerie's oh. favorite version of Scooby Doo mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, Principal Mezer is voiced by Wallace Shawn. Is he the one from Princess Bride that yeah. was the, the poison? Yes. Okay, uh, yes. I thought, I thought I'm, like, I'm like, that's that guy. Uh, fun fact, uh, Ryder Magon named Principal Mezer after his own school principal from when he was in high school. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and given what he wrote for that character to do, clearly didn't love his principal. Yeah. But really, who does? Right. <laughs> Um, oh, uh, Robert Bobby Zimaruski is voiced by Polly Shore. Of course he is. Um, Powerline is voiced by Tevin Campbell. Uh, the character of Powerline was heavily inspired by real-life pop stars, including Michael Jackson, Prince, and Bobby Brown. Mm. Uh, Campbell recorded the songs in front of a green screen while performing his own choreography. Oh, that's cool. Uh, this didn't say, but I assume that it was so that they can base some of the animation for his dances and stuff on that choreography yeah in the credits they did credit some like live action dance references or something like that so yeah i think with uh stuff and spoilers and i think it was just powerline in the video that we saw pre-spoilers but but yeah uh, i assume they use people to model it after yeah yeah Mm. uh the lester's possum park mc um (laughs) is voiced by pat buttram uh and this film is dedicated to buttram who died after finishing his voice work for the film oh the big wife in on the open road is voiced by pat carroll who we know for voicing ursula and little mermaid (laughs) and the small husband is voiced by Corey burton who usually voices very deep voiced characters so it's amusing that he's Sounding like a little pipsqueak here. That is so interesting that she voiced that because I, she looked like Ursula to me, or or the first thing that I thought about was Ursula for some reason. I don't know if it was her mannerisms, whatever, but I just thought Ursula in my head. So that's interesting. Um, Also, the Trekkie nerd that uh, hits on Stacy. Likes the cheese. The line, the the part. Different one. No. No, the guy in the audience who's hits on Stacy while she's giving her speech. Um, that that particular line, I think he maybe says something once or twice other times and is not. But in that particular line, he's voiced by Dante Bosco. Dante Bosco also wasn't credited in what I looked at, but like, spoke another we line. clearly heard him voice another school person later, too. So. And where would I know him from? Um, Rufio. Rufio. Oh, whoa. And Zuko from whoa, okay. Avatar. Okay. Yeah, he sounds the same if you hear him. Yeah. Okay. He always sounds like... He always sounds like who he is. Yeah, Rob, right. <laughs> Rob Paulson does did a uh, podcast talk show thing, uh, and he had Dante Bosco on there. And for fun, they do readings of scenes in, in different sorts of character voices. Like, they'll pick either like juxtaposing voice to whatever the scene is. Uh, but, but he tells them like, you know, pick whatever voice you want. And Dante Bosco was like, well, like there's only the one or like, there's like just one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that was great. That was funny. <laughs> also, thanks for reminding me. PJ's voiced by Rob Paulson, who you will know mom as Yakko from Animaniacs. Oh, okay. Many okay. other things. Pinky. Okay. Pinky. Yeah. Uh, we oh. realize Max and Mighty Max. Yes, <laughs> which is off-putting. Um, I, I he was really good as PJ. Oh no, he's great as PJ. Yeah, like I, I think he voiced PJ in Goof Troop also when he's younger. That makes sense. I don't know I, if they have an effect or something. I don't remember how he sounds exactly. Let's talk some about animation. 
the animation of Max, like, tossing that possum hat several times, like, forward and then into the window, then, like, rolling down the window and, like, trying to stuff it and throwing it. For some reason, that just really always has stuck out to me. Like, I was like, ah, this scene. I don't know what it is about that, but it's just always really, like, stuck in my head. Um, Well, I like how they even have the possum hat on the ground as they're driving away, and it almost looks like it's a a dead possum. I mean, it looks like a dead possum when it's on his head, too, honestly. Uh, Bigfoot is really funny uh just well just almost purely from an animation standpoint because he doesn't really talk or whatever although he is voiced by frank welker of course (laughs) um but he's just his big goofy mouth leads to so many like just fun silly expressions and stuff especially the moment where he has the headphones on and just the like roller coaster of emotion he goes through as he's like panicking like what is happening and then it's like suddenly like really digging it yeah it's and so i silly. love how they do that and then the start you know subtle movements of his dancing and then yeah. one of my favorite shots is as uh goofy and max are sitting in the car and you just see him moonwalking behind <laughs> the car in the distance i mean yeah. behind them with those headphones on oh my gosh i did love that bigfoot Also, I forgot animation fun facts. While the work was a Disney production, it was considered far less essential than the studio's mainstream works at the time, such as The Lion King, and was given a far smaller budget compared to these films. Thus, a Goofy movie was jointly produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation, Walt Disney Television Animation, and Disney Movie Tunes, and with outsourcing to Walt Disney Animation France and Walt Disney Animation Australia, along with additional Disney Animation Studios in Spain and Canada. Wow. (laughs) Uh, The film's planned release on Thanksgiving 1994 was delayed due to the monitor that they were using to capture the film's animation having a single dead pixel, oh, forcing them God. to recapture three quarters of the film again with a non-defective <gasps> monitor. Uh, Whoa. Bummer. Gee. Uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Also, really liked the reddish light of temptation and sin as yeah. Max changes the map. Like, just when that opens in, in the dark yeah. of the night and he's just like, it brings a wash of like this kind of reddish, orangish thing or whatever. Like, it's it's good, emotionally speaking. And then, of course, that comes back later when Goofy is, he gets into the car and then he's like, you can see he's thinking about opening it to check the map after what Pete said. But then he like makes a decision like, no, I trust my son. And he hits the car and then he's going to turn to leave. But then it opens and it's that red. And then it's, yeah. uh, it's just good. It's good yeah. color. Yeah. Agreed. Anything else with animation? Um, yeah. I mean, they just do a really good job. They do. Of animation. The things that are happening in the scene supporting character stuff not necessarily story stuff i mean that too but like the one thing i'm thinking of is in the beginning of the film when you see goofy at work with pete goofy is trying to uh get a kid to smile because he's a photographer in this i guess department store and uh at some point pete wants to show like oh he's you know just as good better at the job so he gets this girl uh, who's a, a bit of a punk who's running around and to get her to stay still, he Velcros her to the stand. Yeah. <laughs> and, Velcros she, her diaper to the stand. Yeah. And, and as she, he's basically like forcing her to do what he wants. Yeah. Uh, and then Goofy is coming in with a toy that she wants to be with. And so she's happy to do what he wants and just kind of the, the juxtaposition between how they handle situations and. Which ultimately ends with the little girl 
getting out of the diaper and running off and leaving the diaper, which Pete, it's a potent metaphor for your son. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, No, like that, that stuff is, is so good. They don't, you don't have to do that, but it's really impactful for the characters. Yeah, definitely. And not only did it look beautiful, uh, the animation, but they also, again, did such a great job with, with color, contrast, and shadows. And the beginning of the movie that you pointed out earlier, I love the Stark when he's morphing into his father, the almost black and white, you know, yeah. and lack of color versus, yeah, and that, and that that juxtaposition of of those two genres almost again starting off in the beautiful field and kind of the beautiful colors and almost almost like a soft lens i want to say yeah and then 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 that that stark and 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 no color also valerie mentioned uh when max is like going through the fields and like pushing the stalks aside and stuff she was like when did spirited away come out because that scene obviously reminded her some of it oh, yeah and it's okay. like a decade away ish oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. like, it's like the coming goofy movie did it first Ooh, <laughs> yeah okay. it's just it's such a good shot i it's wonder a good shot. yeah what the source kind of inspiration for that is i imagine visually it's common in a way <laughs> and then the scene where that's still in that dream sequence where they're like laying next to each other in the field or whatever just made me think of attack of the clones with anakin and padme <laughs> in the field oh okay yes 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 um i also love again that the color it was so beautiful and one of my favorites was the lake where they went one of the nights that they were camping yeah. when when pete came but that gorgeous blue of Very that pond or lake or whatever that was it was just beyond beautiful and anytime they did water i loved their animation of water and i won't give any spoilers but yeah really well done i think you know you you uh, listed out the different studios that it's going to so there were times where i think it was inconsistent yeah i think the facial animations they they do a lot with the faces but sometimes some of the expressions were a little inscrutable or i think just certain points certain angles not as good the there were lots of details, but uh, at least on one when they're driving initially, leaving the town, the uh, cars were like more boxy and less detailed, but kind of they're in a a traffic jam or a traffic situation. So so I think there were some inconsistencies, but overall it looked really good. Yeah, uh, and I think they definitely had some of the key moments have some of the more top tier animation because one of the reasons that 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 uh scene in the hot tub stands out is because like goofy and max are so on model and so expressive there Uh, it just really pops like the emotions of that scene (laughs) just like how he's leaning and lounging in the hot tub how pete is yeah and just uh, oh, it's so I never good. put enough water in these things. Yes. Yeah, you said Goofy and Max, but I think you you meant the whole hot tub scene. Between Goofy and Goofy Pete. and Pete. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, got it, got it. That's okay. Uh, yeah. When Pete's in the hot tub, yes. Uh, he looks so good. Um, kind of like doing a Ducktales movie in live action seems kind of just like a silly thing to suggest. I don't. If you, I feel like if you did this movie in live action, it's probably not going to be about the cartoon character Goofy. Yeah. Um, you could do a relatively similar plot to this, but you're going to, if it's in live action, you'd probably be toning down a lot of the cartooniness. I could see a similar movie to this, but it's like a drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But like, I mean, this is a movie about Goofy, yeah, the cartoon tough. character, and his son Max, and his his friend, the cartoon character Pete. Um, like, yeah. there's just not. There's not a lot of reason to talk about. It. Yeah, there's no <laughs> yeah. sense in a photorealistic, quote yeah. unquote, right? Like Lion King versus like Goofy. No, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's talk some about the music. Carter Burwell was the film's primary composer. After he had recorded his score with Shirley Walker orchestrating and conducting, Don Davis was hired to rework the score rather than write a completely new one. Burwell later wrote, "My score had relied somewhat on." on on unusual instrumentation, banjo, percussion, and choir, for example. And Disney wanted the sweeping scale and familiar affect of symphonic score, mm. um, which I I don't I don't think that that was necessarily like the best change. I feel like I feel like sticking with his original vision probably would have had a more interesting score. I didn't really notice the music in this movie that much beyond the songs. Yeah. Um, and one of the only scenes where I do remember it was when um, Roxanne talks to Max outside the principal's office. And it was, like, too loud. <laughs> too loud and, like, sweeping for this, like, little cute moment between them. It was, like, kind of going a little too hard on trying to be romantic. And it's like, let this scene speak for itself instead of trying to swell the orchestra back there. Yeah. Um, overall, I think the music in this was fine as far as the uh, score goes. Um, for the most part, I didn't notice it that much. Uh, the songs, I like quite a bit. Yes. Um, the On the Open Road segment in particular is definitely my favorite uh, musical moment in this film. It's very fun. Lots of wacky characters. The melody is real fun. There's a moment where Max and Goofy are both singing slightly different melodies on top of each other, and I love any time that happens in a song. <laughs> it's uh, Mickey cameos here. Um, it's just... I like that segment very much. Um, both as a m- musical number, like all the animation and stuff with it, and also I enjoy the song a lot. Yeah, and even the song, and I can't, forgot what it was called, but when Bigfoot is listening to the headphones. Oh, that's like some classic song. I don't exactly. remember what it's I called. Alive. There you go. Yes, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, but I know that That's there more were... of a mic drop than a, than a like... A needle. Right. needle drop than a... Right. But no, it was cute. Yeah, but I think there were some other, there was other songs that I was bopping to and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not like a ton of songs in here, but they they range from like pretty good to great mostly um after today is the opening number stand out is the first powerline song but uh max is you know lip syncing or singing most of it uh on the open road obviously that i talked about lester's possum park uh nobody else but you uh, occurs late in the movie um and eye to eye is the final powerline number and and yeah, I mean, beyond Lester's Possum Park, which isn't exactly supposed to be a banger, yeah, like they're all they're all good. It's good music. Um, Lester's Possum Park is fine for what it needs to be, but yeah. it's not memorable. Beyond like the scene itself is more memorable than the song, just because of uh, the horror of that scene. That little girl, the uncomfortableness. The, I just is is in my brain somewhere. <laughs> she just lives there now. Yeah. Well, yes. even before I'm like, yeah. oh yes, this this child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like, "Yes, I remember Max. You and I both had to look at this." Yes, yes. <laughs> 
And I guess I should have also mentioned an animation, but in that scene, the 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 animatronics or the the possum animatronics was so terrifying. I mean, with falling apart and still going, and just such a creepy vibe. Almost like almost like in Toy Story, the the toys that Sid has has destroyed, and and they're they're just like Ugh, I don't know, almost like zombie zombie. Uh, Babe. I have, a, I have a serious question for you. What? Do you think that this movie in any way contributed to Five Nights at Freddy's existing? Does it, did it contribute? Yeah, that scene. <sighs> I mean, I, maybe just because I don't know Five Nights at Freddy's. I mean, it's Chuck E. Cheese. Right. But if this is satirizing Chuck E. Cheese... It's satirizing, I think, not necessarily specifically Chuck E. Cheese, but like the... The cheap knockoffs, I think, in particular, like Chuck E. Cheese was one of the more high profile ones that then spawned a bunch of people trying to imitate. And this is like clearly a really bad imitation with like really bad effects that's breaking down or whatever. Like, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's obviously a pastiche on that idea because that idea was popular in like the 80s, early 90s and stuff. Right. Well, I mean, and I I don't know if it's necessarily a cheap knockoff or something that was popular a bit ago yeah that goofy remembers like, yeah, fondly goofy remembers. and and it it just doesn't it wasn't you know taken care of it's hard yeah. to say if it was really good at one point and then then bad or probably not <laughs> always like this uh and it's just been you know living off of duct tape and, and bubble gum this yeah. whole time uh, i couldn't help but thinking being at disneyland or disney world the uh country bear jamboree yeah. yeah and and yeah but that would be like if you if you just let those things fall apart and then you know they're just like almost skeletal versions of themselves how just terrifying that would be yeah i would just like ratty uh decaying yeah almost. yeah i guess uh, otherwise for sound um there were some sound effects early on that like the goof uh the the silly sound effects whenever things are crashing or getting hit or something like that that were a little more noticeable than I liked. Sure. And I guess I have some maybe story questions I think I'm going to say for How's It Hold Up that I think kind of fits into this things being a bit more obtrusive than I would have liked. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's It Hold Up? <laughs> um... I don't really know where else to put this, so I'm going to do this first before we actually answer this question. Let's talk a little bit about the legacy of this movie. On August 14th, 2015, a 20th anniversary reunion for the film was held at the D23 Expo at Anaheim Convention Center in Anaheim, California. Those in attendance included Bill Farmer, Jason Marsden, Jim Cummings, Rob Paulson, Jenna Von Oy, and producer Don, Va- Don Hahn. Wallace Shawn, Polly Shore, and director Kevin Lima also sent video messages. The panel also included musical performances from Farmer, Marsden, and Tevin Campbell. While the panel was not expected to be one of the largest panels at D3, it ended up being the largest, with around a thousand fans attending and forcing the expo to turn away some due to lack of seating. Oh. 
Uh, which is to say, people still really care about this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, according to co-producer uh, Frank Angones, or Angons, I don't know, the film was a strong influence during early development of the 2017 DuckTales series, particularly on its version of Donald Duck, as the creators wanted the show to do for Donald what Goofy Movie did for Goofy. Mm. The series itself featured several references to the film, including the appearances of the song Stand Out, Lester's Possum Park, and <laughs> Pictures of Goofy, Max, and Roxanne. Pixar director Domi Shi said she was inspired by a Goofy movie for the story of her directorial debut, Turning Red. And I can can see it some, yeah. Like how it's, you know, about a close relationship between a parent and uh, a child that kind of phrase as the child grows older and the parent doesn't understand the changes and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I see it. And that's also a good movie. We saw, yeah. Valor and I saw that recently. Oh, Recommend it. Yes, we are late to things, but we are late good. to things. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as the actual question of how does it hold up, I mean, I think I think mostly well. Um, there's certainly, I mean, there's stuff about it, especially the school stuff that's very of the time, very '90s. There's there's you know, you know some references and stuff like that that are similarly kind of dated, but not in such a way that it like affects the core of it you know there, there's always stuff like they don't really even have cell phones or anything huh do they <laughs> um like there's stuff that's just we take for granted now but i think the movie still works regardless of those things um yeah. well i also like how they weren't what holds up to me is they didn't just stick with one note tropes um or characterizations because you had your popular or jocks and whatever in the high school and they were laughing and making fun of Max at the beginning but it was usually after like capitalizing on something that he did like falling or doing something so they're like uh instead of just being say typical bullies just like going after him or trying to bully him and then when he does the cool song and do and all of that and they discover that it is Max it wasn't what's stereotypical in so many and usually like live action or whatever high school ish, uh, you know, shows or, or movies where they just keep bullying them kind of, almost kind of like, well, no way you can't do this cool thing because you're a nerd and we're going to keep you a nerd or whatever. And they, they just were kind of like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, you're not so nerdy. And Oh, wow. You did this cool thing. So I, I liked how, you know, they kind of broke out of that. Just like, again, they didn't make, uh, PJ be a bully just because his dad was a bully and all of that kind of stuff. And they, it would be they really weird that, if they did, given that he was a character in Goof Troop that already wasn't characterized that way. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, but I just mean is I just like how even in the genre of this being at a high school and him, you know, in this awkward you know, or this, you know, him being a high schooler. That yeah. again, they just didn't keep all of the tropes that it looked like. What I mean is how the storyline initially went there at the high school where you still had those stereotypical roles of kids, other kids other than him, again, that they didn't just stay in that mold. Who's, who knows what would have happened if that had been more focused on him being in high school rather than going on a road trip with his dad. But but yeah, because it's not really set there, it avoids a lot of that. And maybe choose because it's the last day of school and everyone's happy. No, yeah, right. <laughs> Who knows? But um, I'm a little uncomfy with the big lady and her small husband yeah. and their um, uh, their odd romantic episode being referred to by Max as very odd. Hey, Max, how about you stop judging others and take a look at yourself? <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, there's 
it's a little icky, but I do support them. Um, just their framing of that needing to be kind of weird and comedic is not my favorite. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then without getting to how it happened, there was a scene towards the end of the movie uh, where Goofy like opens a door and a woman's like changing into an outfit or whatever. And, and he's all like, Oh no. And I'm like, we don't ever need that in anything ever. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, most part, it's fine. Um, this isn't really about, this is about how it holds up, but in terms of some of the ways in which it, it does is that I have learned that um, a decent amount of the black community actually like yeah, I want to talk really about relates to this movie. I've seen at least two different uh, black guy YouTubers talking about like how much this movie kind of meant to them and related to them, how they were able to kind of see themselves in Max and even referring to like how that, how the principal talks about him mm-hmm. kind of like feels oh, like wow. a racially loaded, like, yeah, that's the way that that's white racist. principals can talk about black children sometimes, you know, like, yeah. It's and like the hyperbolic trajectory of yeah. the path that doesn't, that isn't grounded in reality. And especially with the fact that Powerline is clearly, like, coded as being black and, like, Michael Max Jackson, dancing, as, uh, dancing as him and wanting to act like him and stuff. Like, you can see how Max can also be interpreted as being coded that way, whether or not anyone making the movie had that intent. Yeah, um, and, yeah, no, I find it really interesting that that's... I, I can't talk a whole lot more about it personally because it's not really my place or something that I have enough knowledge on, but I, it's neat that that speaks to that community in that way. Well, also what held up for me is the way they depict Roxanne. And again, she's just so cute, but they don't have her being too skinny or too over-sexualized. The most she was, I want to say even sexualized, but I don't feel like it was overly or, or so is, is in the dream sequence at the opening and the very beginning. But even then, again, it's not like she's just dressed. Yeah, she was in this beautiful, you know, gown or whatever. But again, it's not like it showed like cleavage or something like that. Yeah, it and felt then, more like she was idealized. Yes, to yes. Yes. that's exactly it. That wasn't yes. her. That's how Max saw her. Yes. Exactly. But she's, she's a bit more of a dork than what his ideal dream interpretation of her exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. But I also even love the innocence of it that when they both like fall into this field and are laying on their back, they just turn and look at each other. They didn't, they didn't uh, hint at their like being some kiss or some kind of, you know, anything else. It was just, it was just very innocent and I really enjoyed that and then again how she was throughout the rest of it she was just she was just a cutie and um yeah I I just loved her so that held up for me too is their little romance and so forth did the uh Disney reference references hold up so like in the car uh some of the songs that played at the beginning when they were putting the eight track in and Mm. uh Max and Goofy were fighting over what what to play. I wonder if it is less impactful because I don't think those songs are as prevalent now. I think it still works just as like Goofy listens to bad music <laughs> compared yeah. to what compared to what the youths would like to listen to. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 difference between it and what Max is trying to play is still stark enough that that scene works even if 
you don't personally relate to whatever music Goofy's putting on. Yeah. Um, there was like a little mermaid reference. There was maybe kind of a reference to Lion King. This Lion King actually ended up coming out before this, but this was supposed to come out before Lion King. But because of that pixel thing I talked about, mm, Lion King ended up, yeah, taking the place of where this was supposed to come out. Uh, um, but, but yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, the, the whole Walt Disney thing, it just brings up more <laughs> questions rather. <laughs> it doesn't. We already figured that out. Oh he was the, pro- <laughs> he was the producer on the film series that Goofy and his friends starred in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Pete was also in there. Oh, was he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess it all. He didn't have it. He didn't have regular work in the same way that they did because uh-huh. he wouldn't always be in the cartoons there was plenty of mickey cartoons where he isn't called to be the bad guy so he kind of fostered some resentment there yeah it's part of why he wasn't super thrilled to see goofy later because he's always been kind of jealous of him uh-huh yeah. but he was hired specifically or all three all of three of them <laughs> okay but he was obviously higher paid and that's why he has so many so, so no much more no that has money. to do with his realtor <laughs> business that he has after that oh, yeah <laughs> which okay. is like in all seriousness i think in goof troop the series he has like a realtor business because oh, okay. okay. i think part of the reason he doesn't want goofy there is because he was gonna like sell that house or something like he owned it or whatever but for some reason goofy couldn't could still move into it i don't know exactly or maybe he was gonna buy it okay. for some reason he wanted to do something property wise but no or is it realtor does he have a car place i forget but he's he's, he's rich because of whatever thing He's he has type after of a that. guy that has his paw in a lot of yes. places. He doesn't have one stream of income. He likes to have multiple streams of income. If it were now, he'd be into crypto. Oh, you know it. Oh, 100%. And he would be the sort that like 100% understands and knows that it's a scam. And he's just trying to scam everyone harder than they could ever scam him. Yeah. yeah like he yeah. would know what's up. Yes. But definitely. like he would be just fully trying to take advantage of it. Yes, he would try to get Goofy into crypto so that he could scam Goofy. <laughs> and then he would he, like be like, buddy, I heard it's such a good... Oh, no, I'm sorry you lost so much money. Yes. As he counts his money. Yes. Like, his you, digital money. I did, I did like a, a physical money thing, like gesture, but like it wouldn't be physical. Anyways. Um, <laughs> glad we all decided that Pete would be into crypto. Yeah. Let's go on to our... Spoiler alert! Skip to one hour and twenty seconds. I like the ways that some of the bit characters keep appearing throughout the road trip, um, such as the big lady in the car appears again at the end as a singer and Powerlines concert or whatever. She's the oh, one that Goofy yes. walks in on, and then she sings and she's putting on a costume to go be in the performance, and she sings as part of that song or whatever. Yeah, um, so that was her husband when the guys were pulling in the. I think so, and you see the nuns are going to that concert, and we yes, saw the nuns yes. like multiple times throughout the movie, yeah. like. Yeah, it's it's fun how these little bit characters that you meet around on the open road, like, keep kind of appearing. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah we're all coming from the same place. This is the way to get to L.A. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the end of the... So, uh, yeah, we haven't really super talked about it. Then the hot tub scene... Pete had overheard Max talking to PJ about changing the map. So he's basically trying to tell Goofy that your son's been lying to you. See, I'm right. I was right the whole time. Goofy 
doesn't want to believe him and is like, no, Max is good and I trust him or whatever. But he does ultimately end up looking at the map and finding out that Max did lie to him, which then leads to the scene after that where they're driving and they're coming up to where there's there's a, a junction uh, to uh, split in the road. And Goofy like gives uh, Max the map. It's like, okay, son, which way do we need to turn? And you can tell that Goofy's having to like, please make the right choice here. And Max is having this internal, like, do I make the choice that's going to make my dad happy or the one that I want? And, and ultimately Max makes the choice to turn towards what he wants. And then immediately after he makes that choice, we see Goofy and he's just like, so upset. He's He's just like staring straight ahead. So mad. And every time Max says anything, he just like humps and gets like more and more grumpy. And, uh, it's, it's so it's so good. <laughs> such a good, such excellent animation and looking grumps. And I also just want to say, as someone who went to all kinds of and throughout my life went to so many national parks, I even love on this road where they have a turnout, like you know, on so many winding yeah. roads that are going you know towards something. I, I love how that looked when he just got so grumps that he pulled over and and, yeah. and stomped out of the car because he was so upset with, with Max. And then shenanigans happen. Their car ends up in a river and they're sitting on the car as it floats down a river. They sing a song that's kind of bonding them back together a little bit, but then they're going to go over a waterfall. So there's a dramatic sequence there. Goofy manages to save Max, but then Goofy's falling, but then Max manages to do the perfect cast that his dad taught him earlier. And he saves Goofy. And then they they have a heartfelt moment and then they go sneak into the Powerline concert and through other shenanigans end up on stage. Powerline's like really, really chill about it and just lets them dance. Like after, because he's just like, what the heck? And then Max is like, do the perfect cast. So then Goofy's like doing his movements that kind of look like some sort of dance he's doing. And Powerline's like, oh, okay, this is sick. I'll let you stay here, yeah, basically. I love that. I love how he just was chill and, and yeah. yeah. And, and so Max play. gets to be on TV and all, and Roxanne and everyone sees him on TV um, and is like, oh, that's so cool. But then the last scene of the movie, fortunately, we're not going to let him get away with that lie. Uh, he and Goofy have clearly talked on the way back about what the right thing to do is. So he goes to Roxanne's house and admits to her that he lied about his dad knowing Powerline and stuff. It was just shenanigans that ended them up being on the TV. Yeah. Um, and, and so they they have their little bonding moment. Um, and she admits that she liked him before that. He didn't need to lie. She likes the sound of his dorky laugh. Um and Goofy blows up and then ends up... <laughs> this is totally loses <laughs> his, the The car just completely blows up and Goofy flies to the air and then is like in the... They're like on a porch mm-hmm. and he's just halfway through the porch with his lower half towards the children. And so he introduces himself to Roxanne and it's like, oh, they're going to have a nice time later. And then she never shows up again in anything. Yeah. So and it's very frustrating. Oh, <laughs> so. uh, we forgot to talk about character. The dad's pretty funny. The dad is oh, pretty Roxanne's funny. Roxanne's dad yes. and how she treats him. Yes. <laughs> He's basically like a big guard dog. Yes. yes. Just that. He doesn't speak. He doesn't say any words. He just like kind of growls. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, daddy. And then she speak. He's like looking through the mail slot. Uh, She's like, daddy, and he closes it. (laughs) (laughs) She even pats him, you know, behind, like, to to shoo him in the house. She's like, good dad or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's 
It's yeah. very silly. Yeah. But I also like, sorry, with before Goofy blows up, I like that conclusion because I alluded to earlier that that the car goes through how it's still working, especially after being in... Just submerged. Going in submerged and going, and going over a waterfall. waterfall. Yeah. But again, it they limp back into town in this car that's falling apart. And it was just a great conclusion because as after Goofy tries to put on the bumper again and turns around, I, I don't know when he was going to, I think when Max said, you know, here's my dad. And then, then it blows up, you know, which blows him up. So it, anyway, it was... Uh, a cute kind of a little bit of payoff to that. No more spoilers. Let's go on to favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? Maybe some of the shenanigans, sorry, with the principal, like especially, I don't know, especially him lying and falsely, you know, accusing and, and stereotyping Max. I think probably the Lester's possum park sequence yeah. at least up until it starts raining and then i i enjoy that stuff where max is trying to hitchhike away and then he's in the car and throwing the stupid hat and stuff but the stuff before that it's like it's necessary because it builds up to max trying to hitchhike because he's so sick of this stuff but it is very uncomfortable watching that performance and yeah. then all the people laughing as him and Goofy dance and stuff. It's it it's not pleasant to watch, yeah. even if it is important for the emotional fabric of the film. They do a good job of making it really uncomfortable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Character designs, all of that. Yeah, I guess I'll agree with you on the Possum Park one. You don't have to sound so upset about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Uh, the the big scenes were all, like, done really well. So there might be some interstitial stuff that's like, oh, this wasn't as engaging. I think maybe the uh, Bigfoot thing went on a little long, but, but overall it was enjoyable, so we'll go Possum Park. What was your favorite scene in the movie? Um, yeah, I have to give it to the hot tub scene. Yes. Um, just... The lighting, um, the character models, the the emotions they went through on their face and the things that were said, the my son respects me moment, just all of all of it. Yeah, it's good. There were so many good moments in the movie. There were so many great scenes, but that was the hot tub scene was one of the absolute best. So I think I am going to agree, too. Who is your least favorite character in the movie? Pretty easy for me. The principal. principal. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, uh, Wallace Shawn does a great job as him, uh, obviously. But Wallace Shawn's also very good at playing just awful people. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> just just miserable uh, creatures. Uh, yes. he, does, yes. he does a great job. The principal does what he needs to do to get the plot going, but he sucks. The yes, principal yes. speech of, like, students ask me, oh what do I do to not waste my summer? Oh my yeah. Sure, okay. Yeah. yeah, just all the student body immediately like, nope, that didn't happen. Yeah. And starts tuning him out. <laughs> Who is your favorite character in the movie? This one. Might be a little more difficult. It's going to be hard. Oh, but I I think I'm going to go with Max. Oh, it's, a, it's hard between Goofy and Max because I adore Goofy. But uh, I feel like I feel like Max had more character growth, maybe. So sure, that's the sure. only thing that's maybe pushing him over the edge a little bit more for me. 
Um, yeah, I guess I'll go with Max, too. I agree. Very, very hard to choose. Very difficult to choose. Max is very good, but I'm going to be the odd one out and go with Goofy. Thank you. Yeah, um, good, good, good. <laughs> Goofy, Goofy needs to have one of us yeah. could choose him. Agreed. Um, it's just, when I think about the moments that most impact me in this movie... It, it has to do with emotions Goofy's going through. And that would be impossible without Max. And I really love Max in this movie. This is like, this is like the, the iconic Max thing that pretty much anything about Max afterwards, like takes at, yeah. to make him whoever he's going to be. But like, um, yeah, the, the most iconic scenes for me personally are, are so iconic because of Goofy. Um, and this really, this movie did really just define Goofy for a generation as a character. Um, yeah. he's great. Yeah. And yeah. And he, his, everything from his sad Goofy to his grumps Goofy was yeah. just mm, perfect, perfect, perfect. This movie was a musical. What was your least favorite number? So Possum Park, Lester's Possum Park. Yeah, Lester's favorite. Possum Park is definitely my least favorite. Um, I don't. I mean, it's kind of just by default the least favorite. It's more of a a song that needs to be there in the moment to make that thing work, <laughs> <laughs> rather than like a piece of music that you want to listen to on its own <laughs> all the time. You know, like yeah, I'm gonna agree. Also, yes. What was your favorite number in the movie, though? This is hard. Yeah. It. It's like a favorite song is maybe different than the one that does the most for 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 the setting uh, or. You can only choose one, but the reasons you choose it can be either of those. Like you enjoy it the most as a musical number. You enjoyed that scene the most out of all the things with the songs. You liked what it did for the movie the most. Any of those are valid reasons for choosing. But you need to choose one for Prefty's sake, really. <laughs> I think for me, it's on the open road. Um, I do jam out to that one on the car sometimes. I, I just really like it. It's just a fun musical kind of number. But very close second is definitely Eye to Eye. That's It's just such a banger. Yeah. Um, I like Stand Out, um, but I'm not as big, especially on kind of the, the part where he's talking more than singing. Um, I don't hate it, but it's it makes Stand Out not quite as high for me. Um, I like Eye to Eye uh, out of the two Tevin Campbell songs. The uh, On the Open Road, the I've Got No Strings on Me and Feeling Fancy Free <laughs> yeah. is also... So, so, on the nose, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's silly. Yeah, it's very silly. Um, it has the part where Max and Goofy are both singing different melodies. Yeah, oh. no, technically, yeah, that's a very it. fun one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Eye to Eye, I, I think, it's just such a good song. It is. But uh, second, because you talked about three songs, I'll, um, I'll throw an After Today just oh. as a really good. That's your favorite? No, eye to eye is gotcha. But um, after today is just such a good. It's uh, a good opener. Yes, opening song, setting setting everything up, and yeah, like that one's pretty neat. But your favorite is eye to eye. Yes. So one vote for on the open road, one for eye to eye. Yeah, no, I I really did like all of them, and I like the ones that you all are talking uh, talking about. I think I'm going to also go with eye to eye because it. I just love the visuals, the everything about it. It was just such a great, 
you know, like ending or, you know, finale type. And yeah, I think I'm going to go with eye to eye too. Nice. What character would Tim Curry have played if he were in the movie? I think the principal. Mm. Yeah. I think so yeah. too. Uh, Wallace Shawn does a great job, but I don't, I don't know if there's really anyone else that like, you, you pretty much just can't have him be Pete or Goofy because those character voices need to be the, the character voices of the time. Like Jim Cummings in the nineties is and after is Pete. Yeah. And Bill Farmer is Goofy. Like Goofy shouldn't sound like just some guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he shouldn't. No. And then it doesn't really make sense to have Tim Curry play one of the kids. So PJ Maxx, completely out um not that i think he would be appropriate for them anyways but like uh, yeah none of the high schoolers like that'd be silly bigfoot doesn't really talk Mm -hmm. um he could be someone maybe creepy from the uh the possum park but possibly but i think he's the the possum oh (laughs) but i think i like the one in the suit not that would be pretty hilarious honestly (laughs) Uh, but yeah, probably the principal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be my vote. Um, but while Sean did a great job, uh, we don't need Tim Curry here. But if he was going to be in it, yeah, yeah. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. I think it's safe to say that we all recommend it. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, you had mentioned earlier about uh, this kind of having Max's. Uh, the the core character concept is something that's used in in other films. Like it makes me think of the Christmas one. Um, Home Alone? No, no. There's a Disney Christmas films that, that we, we watched. watched. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Mickey's Once and Twice Upon a Christmas. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's just the, basically the Once is where he's a child, even younger than Goof Troop. Oh, that was and so then, cute. No, and the twice. then Twice is the one that's like a music video. <laughs> yes, but but. Yeah, like same same concept of just like not wanting to be his dad or because or, he thinks that's embarrassing and right. he doesn't want he doesn't want the girl he likes to be judgmental of it. Right, right. Yeah, like I I think that. And yet they didn't use Roxanne. Uh-huh. <sighs> well, because she know. already knows. I guess, but still. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, like that's such a uh, unimpactful and, and it's now like quintessential part of of their family story and I think that's really cool yeah um let's see what would I rate it I guess for this one I'm between a, a 3.75 and a 4 but I, I think I'll go with a 4 give it that nostalgia bump uh, up to a 4 um I think I the same I was and I was so hoping I wouldn't be like way off on this because even if you had done like, I don't know, threes, I would have, I, for me, it's at least a four. Yeah. I think I'll go with also four because one, I just think it was a good story. I really love the animation and I just really love the characterization, but either, I mean, not only the, the parental, you know, relationships, but the, well, the contrast of parental relationships. Obviously, I loved Max and Goofy's relationship, but then even the friend relationships and all of that good stuff. So yeah, definitely a four for me and absolutely would I recommend it. Nice. Uh, question. What Going back to Tim Curry, because I just thought, what about Polly Shore's character? What about him? What if it were that? What if we swapped What if that? Tim Curry was the Buddy. nacho, the, the cheese yes. 
whiz eating no. kid at school. <laughs> yes. That'd be no. absurd, babe. I'd love it. I would love it, but that'd be absurd. Yeah. I just thought about that and I had I to say I don't think it. I'd want an adult voice as a kid, but you know. I mean, Polly Shore is an adult, but yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to uh, go a little uh, different than you two. I'm gonna go four point five. I love Ooh, the, I okay. love this movie. <laughs> this movie is iconic. Um, I've watched it many times, and it's great every time. Better even as I'm able to appreciate all the aspects of it. Whatever shortcomings it has can make up that point five of a point, but yeah, no, otherwise no. it's Fair. it's just very good, and I love it very much. And if you haven't seen a goofy movie, what are you doing? Watch Go it. watch it. Yes, it's iconic. Yes. Good. Yes. This is better than some of the Renaissance films. I mean, I like Rescuers Down Under, but this is better than that. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Now and I know he went on to direct Tarzan, and I haven't seen Tarzan in a bit. I dare say this is a better movie than Tarzan. I know you're going to make me rethink, so I'm going to split the difference. <laughs> you don't I'm have to. I'm going to end with 4.25. Okay. my one. final four. word. 4, 4.25, and 4.5. We all agree. You should see it. It's Watch great. It. Yes. Thank yes, you all yes. very much for listening. And I would love for you all to join me every Tuesday at 7 p.m. CST on my live Twitch stream, uh, Nana Critter. This right now I'm playing Witcher 3. And for summer 2022, um, I am playing, uh, sorry, I'm on Wednesday, 7 p.m. CST. I'm playing the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. So come join me. And you're going to also be able to see in the chat my wonderful daughter and daughter-in-law here. Yes, thank you guys very much. Next time, we will be watching the sequel to a Goofy movie uh, where Goofy participates in the X Games and goes to college. Mm. Also, Max. <laughs> just both of those or just one of those? Yes. <laughs> Join us next time. Bye. Yes, bye. Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Uh, uh, I almost let myself go into goofy voice. Okay, Danica Dursty. I want to know. I know if I should say this. I probably shouldn't. Uh, the uh, they take off their their shoes on the on the car, and there's just too many feet in frame all the time. I no, don't know no, you shouldn't. All right.
right? No, you shouldn't say anything about that. I mean, they didn't have to do that, is all I'm saying. They had the little fish bite Max's toe, and their big fish ate Goofy's foot. Yep, and then whenever they're caught by the thing, and then their whole body and their feet are in frame. And it's like, do we really need that? Baby, <laughs> I know that the internet has poisoned us, but you just you just can't say it. You That's can't why talk I wanted to ask. Anything else with spoilers? So there was this thing that I just mentioned. That I- <laughs> <laughs> no. The worst. There's one thing actually. I just put all of it at the end. 